with fire school, uh, don't feel guilty if you can't make the day sessions. Um, evening sessions are going to be amazing. Probably during the day, they'll be more instructional. In the evening, will be more of the full-blown, full uh, not down drag-out service. Um, <laughs> uh, they're going to be good. And uh, uh, Rob, when we were with him this weekend, said he, he feels like the Lord's given a new word just for us. So I'm excited for that. Uh, very, very excited. I actually had a phone call on Monday. Um, someone from Kansas called, a pastor from Kansas. It was like asking hotel information. So we're, we're bound to have people from all over the place here uh, this week. And so uh, it's just going to be, a, yeah, amen. It's going to be good. I'm going to read this verse, and then we're just going to spend a few minutes praying together, okay? Um, actually, I'm going to do this. Yeah, I'll do this. Psalm 121 says, I will lift my eyes up to the mountains. From where shall my help come from? Verse 2, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not smite you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. The Lord will guard the Lord will guard your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever. Amen. So we're just going to pray uh, for a while together and uh, we're just going to invite the Lord. But right now we're going to start off just giving him thanks, okay? And so Jesus, we just thank you tonight. We bless you tonight, God. Be we, we look up into the mountain, Lord, and we recognize where our, our help comes from. And so we just bless you tonight. We, we say you are good and your love endures forever tonight, Lord. We exalt you, God. We, we bless you, Lord. You're the first and the last, Lord. You're the beginning and the end. You're the alpha and you're the omega, God. You are uh, in, in you all things come from and have their being, God, and in you all things hold together. And so... We just bless you tonight, God. Thank you for allowing us to come together in your house. Thank you. Thank you, God, for how good you've been to us. Thank you for what you're doing in our city, God. We just bless you tonight, Lord. We, we say be exalted tonight, Lord. Would you be exalted over the church? Be exalted over our day-to-day -day life, oh God. Be, be exalted over the situations in our life, Jesus. You are you're above it all, Lord. We enthrone you tonight with our praises, Lord. And, Lord, we know that as we praise you, Lord, that you draw closer to us. Or we know that you inhabit the praises of your people. And so we just bless you, Jesus. We bless you. Someone else, just pray it. Just pray it. Amen. Matthew 6.10. Matthew 6.9 says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 6.10 says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so... Uh, We've been kind of following that Lord's Prayer anyway this evening. But he always leads us in triumph. When he says he always leads us in triumph, like think of a parade procession entering in, right? And it's like a victor's parade. I can remember growing up and when my sister's uh, a softball team won the state championships when she was in Little League. Like, they had this parade, and, and, and the whole town was there, and, and the, 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 they had all these cars driving, 
and the girls' softball team was at the very end, and they were just being led in triumph. And this is what Jesus is saying. Because we're in Christ, he actually goes before us, but he's saying, look, because I'm in triumph, they're in triumph. And he's leading us in that. And so it's this triumphal procession. Jesus is taking us around as heaven as victors, which is also amazing, too, because the Bible tells us that he paraded the enemy as a defeated foe around the heavens as well. But it says that we, he leads us in triumph and manifests, makes clear, makes known, makes visible through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Christ. So if you... If you take this bottle of anointing oil, this one was actually made to biblical specifications. If you take it and you open it, or if I open it, you could smell it. It has a pleasing aroma to it. All right? So if we're smeared with the presence of God, if we're smeared with the anointing, it actually says that through us is demonstrated a sweet aroma. And actually, the word aroma, it's, it's aroma, it's fragrance. But it's something that's savory, if you will. It's something that when you come in contact with, it's like when, like, like if, if April makes something, I, I don't know, like her favorite meatloaf. If April makes meatloaf, the whole house smells of meat like my mouth waters, right? <laughs> it's, it's this smell that causes you to want whatever that is. And it's saying that he leads us in triumph. And, and because he leads us in triumph, we're able to demonstrate, we're able to release this aroma that's actually intoxicating to the atmosphere around us, which therefore causes other people to want whatever it is that we're filled with or covered with. <laughs> so it says, through us, the sweet aroma of the knowledge, which is, Knowledge means knowledge, doctrine, wisdom, and also means from personal experience. So the, the, way, the best way to explain that would be that, that everywhere we go, because of the aroma that's been released from our life, it's not just because I put on cologne because April picked out fancy cologne for me. It's because there's this aroma of Jesus coming from my life because I've had an experiential encounter with Christ. And because of my experiential encounter with Christ, it causes other people to want what I have. Which would mean this. He's, you know, what's, what's your testimony, Michael? Well, I, I was once lost, but now I'm found. That's the, that's the, most, that's the most simple testimony there is. I was blind, but now I see, right? With, with this, it's like, I don't know. Like when someone tells you a story, it gives them more credibility if they actually went through whatever experience they're telling you, right? It's like whenever we talk to ministers and say, if you're going to preach, preach something you're going through or that you've been through, because if you haven't, it's probably going to fall flat. It needs to mean something to you. It's because you've experienced it. Because you were once lost and now you're found, there's something that comes from your life. It's the joy of the Lord. And that's attractive to people. Like, you've heard me joke before, like, some of us, probably not in this room, but some of us, we're like, I have the joy of the Lord, brother, right? And we're like, well, your heart needs to tell your face that, especially out in public. <laughs> right? <But> listen, listen. <laughs> we have him. Christ in is the hope of glory. 
And so anywhere and everywhere we go, we, look, it takes no effort to be a jerk. It doesn't. But it does take effort, I think, to say, you know what? I'm going to be aware of the goodness of God anywhere and everywhere I go. And even if I'm waiting a long time in line at this place, I'm going to be kind, I'm going to be patient, and I'm going to be generous to whoever's around me. Why? Because that's an opportunity to release the aroma of Jesus. It's like we were... We were at Subway today because that's like Ethan's favorite place in the world, Subway and Chipotle. We were at Subway today, and like literally, there was only one person in front of us, and they ordered nine subs, and each one and each one was different. And, and the person behind me was ticked. <laughs> Ethan and I, we're just minding our business. We're talking. We're goofing off. He's telling me about these movies he's wanting to go see. And he's talking to me about his video game. We're just having a good time. And the lady making these subs kept going, I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. She's like telling me she's sorry. I'm like, it's okay. It's all right. We're not going anywhere. <laughs> right? We're going to have our sub. We're going to be okay. And we got to the register. She's like, thank you for being so patient. And, and I, again, you can't make this stuff, but this is just the way you learn to live. And I said, it's all right. Jesus was really patient with me for many, many years. This is the least I could do. And she's like, oh. And so got to bless her in Jesus' name. Just real quick, real quick. And the person behind me, they came over. Can't make this stuff up. person behind me, they came over to where we were sitting. And they're like, we got so convicted hearing you, watching you pray for that person. And, and so, so here's a person that knows God that was frustrated that they weren't releasing the atmosphere. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. You have the ability to release Jesus everywhere you go. Come on, this isn't... You don't have to go to Bible school to give Jesus away, right? We just need to be smeared with the presence of God. This means that everywhere we go, you get to give away the grace, the mercy, and the love of God everywhere you go. And it's the kind... What about the wrath of God, brother? Well, you know what? It's the kindness of God that leads men under repentance. I'm not... You've heard me say it before. I'm not concerned with scaring the hell out of people. I want to love the hell out of them. And I just happen to believe that it's going to take... My grandparents used to say, Oh, you're going to go to hell. You're going to burn. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. You're going to do the other. And you know what? I live like a hellion. It's like I fulfilled what they said that I was going to do. And then something shifted. <laughs> and it was the kindness of God that led me unto repentance. Verse 15. <laughs> For we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, an aroma from death to death and to the other, from life to life. And who is adequate for these things? Again, we are a fragrance. We are a sweet smell. Yes. A sweet smell of Christ to God among those who are being saved. The word saved, it's sozo, which would be goodness, would mean brought well, healed, rescued. 
It, it actually means healing for your spirit, your soul, which is your mind, will, and your emotions, and your body. And so our lives actually release healing to everyone around us. Well, I don't feel qualified to do that. Well, that's what Paul actually writes right here, too. Who is adequate to do such things? <laughs> adequate means who's sufficient, who is worthy, who is fit to do such things. Like, I know this because, like, <laughs> you guys are like, I've, I've got more problems than a three-leg run-over dog. Like, you know, <laughs> we got them, too. But because Christ in you, the hope of glory, you're qualified to give Jesus away, right? You really are. That's your qualification. Look, if you just went and tried to be nice to people, you could be nice to people. But because he lives inside of you, that's what qualifies you. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you've done in your past. It doesn't matter what your resume looks like. What matters is who has you. And if he has you, that's all you need. So I don't feel good enough to do it. Well, it doesn't matter what you feel. What matters is what this says, and this says that you're, you're fit enough to do it. All right. The only thing Jesus needs is our surrender. The only thing he really needs is our yes. yes. That's all he wants is your yes. It's like, yes, Lord, whatever. <laughs> and, and it's an adventure to follow him. It really is. Verse 17, for we are not like many peddling the word of God. So this is... This, this is so when you give Jesus away, motive is everything, okay? And I'll explain it. For we are not like many peddling the word of God, but as from sincerity, but as from God. We, it's heavy. We speak in Christ in the sight of God. Okay. Believe, I will not talk about it in any church, but I believe we're called to be different from other places. Okay? We're called to be what the word says. We're called to be different for multiple reasons. Like, I long to see this place filled. I actually long, like, I pray that <laughs> I pray that there are days when I get here at 4.30 or 5 and there's a line at the door of people just waiting to get in, right? Like, I pray those things. But it's not about just growing a church. It's about expanding the kingdom of God. It's about equipping the saints to do the works of ministry. Like, I don't want, it'll be different because I don't want the church to be dependent on, on me or our staff. I want to equip you to be dependent upon the Lord. Amen. Right? We have, a, we have a burden to equip ministers to either plant churches or for Dr. Powell to pluck them and place them somewhere else. You know, it doesn't really matter. We just want things like this to happen. We want, we want to equip the saints, plant churches, equip ministers, all these types of things. We, we really want a chance to change a city and change the region for the glory of God. And so when you start thinking like that, it's, it's not about just the typical churchy stuff that we think about we have to have. And, and a lot of it, like I used to buy into that, because there's a lot of, and, and I don't, it's not even from leadership. I think confession, I think just pastors, we do it to ourselves. There's that pressure to say that what we have, <laughs> I don't feel this way anymore. I'm just being honest. 
but there's that pressure to, like, we want it to grow so that we can turn in good numbers and report and look good in front of everyone. And it's, it's hogwash is what it is. Because when it becomes about that, you become peddlers of the gospel. Because then it's not about changing people's lives. It's about making yourself look good. Because the word peddle, <laughs> the word peddling means hawking. Not like hawking, but like selling hawking, right? For personal gain. So <laughs> let me tell you this. So, so I say all that. We're different in regards of this. That when you give Jesus away, it's not so that, and I share some stuff on Facebook about what the Lord has done, but I'll be honest, I only share about 10%. The Lord convicted me and said, you just need to tithe your testimonies. So 90% of my testimonies, what the Lord does in my day-to-day -day life is written in my journal, and probably no one will read it till I'm dead. And they still may not read it because it's really not very legible, but... Uh, <laughs> But sharing Jesus in public isn't so that you get a really cool story that you can post online to make people think, oh, you're Johnny Super Christian or Susie Super Christian. You understand? Peddling the gospel isn't about elevating yourself. If anything, when we give Jesus away, it's about decreasing so that he can increase. Right? Like when, we share, when I share Jesus in public, like very rarely will I tell someone that I'm a pastor. And very rarely will I tell someone where I go to church. Because I'm just a Christian. I'm just a Christian. And I believe the Lord will bless us from that. And so you don't have to worry about saying, oh, here's our pamphlet. Here's it. No. Give him away. Give him away everywhere you go. Don't worry about advertising. Don't worry about any of that stuff. Give the gospel of the kingdom away and watch what the Lord does from that. It actually says this right here. It says that, but, but as from sincerity, we're not peddling the word of God, but as from sincerity, it means with, with clearness in a pure heart. So what's a pure heart? It means that my motives are pure. I just want to give the one away that loves me, that I love, because it actually has the potential to change your life forever. Hmm. And because we're smeared with the anointing, people will be saved, healed, and delivered, and set free. And you don't have to hit the home run. You've heard me say that before. You don't have to hit the home run. You don't have to lead everyone. I mean, I, lo I love when people get saved in public. But you don't have to do that. Just give them away. Just sow those seeds. Someone may come and reap a harvest where you've sown Praise God. But then you know what? You may reap a harvest where someone else is sown. Right. Praise God. When you get to heaven, you're going to see it all anyway. Yeah. It's just about <laughs> giving them away everywhere you go. You understand what I'm saying? It's just about giving them away. So you have that ability. Next, next point. Stuffed. <laughs> I love that. Stuffed, like rubbed in. It's like taking a steak and marinating it, right? to where it's so stuffed with like the goodness. Ephesians 5.18, do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. I'm not going to preach on alcohol, but be filled with the Spirit. The word filled, be filled with the Spirit, means literally to be stuffed to the brim with the Holy Spirit. It would mean 
to be filled to the point that it's overflowing. You guys have heard me say this before, like, uh, like obviously this bottle is not full. When is this bottle full? When it's actually over the, the brim. That's when it's full. So the Lord desires us to get so filled and stuffed with the Holy Spirit that he overflows. And I just happen to believe that it's the overflow that we actually minister out of. That's what gets on people. <laughs> so the anointing will only work if you're filled to capacity. Or I'll say it like this. It's impossible to give something away that we don't fully have. You don't have permission to give something away that you don't have. <laughs> you don't. Where you get in trouble. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. It says, When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly, <laughs> you've heard me say this before, I, I think that's, that's, a, that's a funny statement. They were in the upper room praying for 10 days, and then it says, and suddenly. Like, there is nothing and suddenly about that. That's a 10 day prayer meeting. <laughs> Right? I'm sure it was amazing. You know, pray, they're worshiping, praising God, but 10 days in this thing, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. <laughs> right here, the word filled is the same word I just read. So the house where they were, it filled, it stuffed, it completely filled the atmosphere where they were at <laughs> and the whole house where they were sitting. So I love that. So they're there, they're worshiping, they're praising God. They're, they're, it's Luke 24, 49 when Jesus said, go and wait. You've heard me preach on that a million times. Go and wait until you receive the promise of the Father. Get seated until you receive the promise of the Father. Right, And so they go and they wait and the promise of the Father comes and the promise comes and it actually fills the entire atmosphere where there's no room to put anything else at would be the best way to read that. And the whole house where they were seated. The word house, it is house. It means material building, a household, a family, a lineage, or a nation. Now I read that and I say this. We understand that in the New Covenant Christianity, what's the house of God? We are. That's right. It's not this. This is where we meet, but we are temples of the living God. You're actually a palace fit for the king. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense, right? Because you're like, well, he's going to do a lot of renovation, right? Or at least for me, he had to. But you're a palace fit for a king, and it says that he came and he filled it all the way up. I believe the Lord desires to fill his people up because we're a house of the Holy Spirit. He desires to fill us up to where we're so, so stuffed with him that everywhere we go, it's like, boom, there he goes. It's like, it's like you get so stuffed, or if you marinate a steak long enough, that if you just touch it, touches it, the, the marinade ends up oozing out, Right? And what if we get so stuffed with God, so stuffed with the presence of the Holy Spirit, that if I bump into someone in public, he just happens to come out. It's like, it doesn't matter what happens, it doesn't matter what anyone's going through, that they're going to get Jesus no matter what, because he lives inside of me. Not just because he's on me, but because he's in me to the point that he has to get out. He desires to fill us, folks. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't want just enough of him to go to heaven. I want enough of him, the heaven, to come through me everywhere I go. 
<laughs> what would it look like if, if we, temples of the Holy Spirit, and I am finishing here in just a moment, temples of the Holy Spirit got so stuck with the Holy Spirit that we dripped Jesus from our pores. <laughs> like, that's not just a coffee shop saying. That's not what that was. That's actually, that's actually our life's call. To be so filled with him that he just comes out of us. If that happened, we would see a real true blue revival. Come on. <laughs> you would. <laughs> and what, what would revival look like? Oh, man. If... if, if I don't even think we can fathom. It'd be prayer meetings breaking out on aisle five at Walmart, right? It'd be businesses shutting down the whole prayer meeting. <laughs> it'd be walking into it'd be walking into a restaurant. And because of the degree of presence of the Lord that we carry on our lives, the people like Charles Finney, there's a story of Charles Finney. He was in Utica, New York. Finney's my favorite evangelist. Finney in Utica, New York, walks into this steel mill. And he was going to go invite someone to a, a revival service that night. Finney walks in, and because the presence of the Lord was on him so thick that the way the story goes is that men begin to fall on their faces because the fear of the Lord filled that place. And it wasn't because of a man. It was because of a man that was so filled with the Spirit of God. I think it looked like that. We'd walk into our workplaces or we'd walk into like the oil change place, right? And, and, uh, and, and we would get, we'd have so much of him on our life that people would begin to fall on their faces and cry out, what must I do to be saved? That's not pie in the sky. I think that's just like, this could really happen. And I think it could happen if we got hungry and desperate enough for it. Let me read this verse. This is what revival looks like. Acts 10, 38. You know Jesus of Nazareth and how God anointed, <laughs> how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. So it says, you know Jesus and how God stuffed him with the Holy Spirit because he was fully man. He laid all that aside. But then he, he was fully man, fully God, but got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Anyway, he got anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power, dunamis, dynamite power, and how he went about doing good. Doing, it's going to be okay. I think for us, it's smiling at people. It's putting your phone down when you're in the drive-thru, right? Like, true story, true story. Just put your phone. I got so convicted. Rob, Rob will tell you. Rob, Rob convicted me about a year ago. He said, I, I stopped playing with my on Facebook when I was going through the drive-thru at the coffee shop just so I can make eye contact with the people that's handing me my coffee. You would not believe like how many people have just been like, Poof! I grabbed their arm and just latched onto them and prayed right there. Now, the Lord will tell you when to do it because <laughs> I've, had, I've had two I've had two that I've grabbed their arm and they 
pulled away because it scared the living daylights out of them, <laughs> right? And then I'm like, I was just going to pray for you, dude. I wasn't going to murder you. <laughs> he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. I think, folks, that it says that all who were oppressed by the devil, that's that verse that we kind of started off with, that the anointing breaks that off. Jesus went about anyone that was oppressed, weighed down by life. He went and removed those things off of people. Now, we understand it's not us that does this, but it's Christ in us that does this. Okay? What would it look like if we said, God, I, I, need, I need your anointing, your power? What would it look like, God, if you begin to fill me to the brim so that I could give you away everywhere we go? I think it'd be really incredible. That's why, you know, we have um, here, we've, we've done some outreach. We haven't spent like great big attractional things. Um, but it's because I'm so convicted that we just need to go live this out. We just need to go live it out. And so it's like, so we have these men and women that come here and speak to us and pour into us. Because I'm hoping that it challenges us even more so to live this gospel out. Because as we live this out, we're going to take our city. The Lord does. The Lord, the Lord I, I'm just so convinced. Like, we say all kinds of things about what the next great revival will look like. I think the next great revival will basically be nameless and faceless. And what I mean, like, I think, I think, I think that Billy Graham is probably going to be the last famous preacher in America. And this is personal opinion here, and it's on the internet, so whatever. I think that the next great revival, there will be no famous preachers, but it will actually be people like you and I giving Jesus away in our day-to-day -day lives. And that way we don't exalt a man up high and, and he was a wonderful man. I'm not dogging him. I'm saying that we won't depend on someone that we think is special, but we'll say that I have Jesus in me and I'm going to give him away. That's what I think the next one's going to ride in on. That's what I really do. Why? So he can get all the credit. He can get all the credit. So let's pray.